Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I am one of your hosts today. There's another host that is joining me, Daniel Sun. Heyo. Now, real quick, before we start today's episode, I just want to say that if you would like to support the show, then there's a few ways that you could do that. One of the ways is Patreon. Each week, we release a Patreon-exclusive episode that only Patreon supporters can get access to. To sign up, it's only $5 a month, which is only $0.16 cents a day. Not only do you get an extra episode per week for that $5, but you also get access to our entire back catalog of past Patreon episodes. In total, we have over 109 extra Patreon episodes, which is a lot of hours of listening pleasure for your ear holes. So to see that full list of Patreon episodes that we have, you can go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, you can click on the Patreon Episodes tab, and there in front of you will be that entire list of exclusive Patreon episodes. Also, today we added another Patreon-exclusive episode, which is about cryptid sightings, in which we go over a bunch of different cryptids, and also we dove super deep into the recent cryptid sighting at the Amarillo Zoo that was caught on camera, and we found out a lot of weird things, so you get access to that episode as well as all of the others for just $5. Now, if you can't afford a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, then you can leave us a written review on iTunes or you can leave it on Spotify. And that helps us out a lot. However, don't feel pressure to leave us one. If you don't want to, then that's fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, ghosts, Illuminati members, underground lizard people, whoever or whatever you are to enjoy the show. And that is the end of the announcements. So today's episode is over Bigfoot. So how this episode will go today is that we're going to talk about what is Bigfoot and then go over a little bit of history of them. And then we're going to go into Strange Facts and Findings, where we cover some audio clips that we found, as well as some videos. And then we'll go into theories. And then, of course, we'll wrap it all up with our own personal thoughts and theories. So with that being said, let's get into today's episode. Hundreds of years ago, native tribes spoke of a hairy, ape-like creature that ruled the forest. Many people assumed that this was simply a folk tale. However, in 1967, one of these creatures was caught on camera. Since then, individuals all around the world have claimed to have seen or interacted with this creature. Is it merely just all a hoax? Or is there actually a giant, undiscovered creature living in our forests today? This is Bigfoot. So before we get into some of the strange things that we found when looking into Bigfoot, let's talk about what is Bigfoot and go over a little bit of history of them. So Dan, why don't you start that off for us? Bigfoot or Sasquatch or Yetis, whatever you want to call them, is said to be a large, muscular, hairy, half-human, half-ape looking creature that stands between six to nine feet tall. He walks upright and is covered in either black, dark brown, or dark reddish hair. Now, this hairy thing is said to live in the wilderness, is very elusive, and supposedly hard to spot. However, sometimes it does leave its footprints behind, and those are claimed to be as large as 24 inches long and 8 inches wide. Now, over the years, there have been many eyewitness accounts of people seeing this creature, as well as some even taking photographs or video recordings. About one-third of modern Bigfoot sightings are located in the Pacific Northwest, and the rest of the sightings are just spread all across the entire world. Now, before we jump into some modern sightings, let's jump back in history real quick and talk about Bigfoot in ancient culture. So if you start digging into ancient history and different cultures, 
you will see that there are multiple accounts that these ancient people have come across something that they described as a human-like giant or some larger-than-life creature. Now, most people will assume that these are folk tales or urban legends, or maybe these ancient people were just talking about giants in general. However, when you translate the name that is given to these creatures, it means something along the lines of wild man or hairy man, which of course that gets you to think maybe these ancient people were encountering Bigfoot. So let's talk about some stories that we dug up of these ancient encounters. And the first one that we're going to talk about comes from an individual named Paul Kane. Now, Paul Kane was a guy who was born in Ireland in 1810. His family ended up moving to Canada when he was only 10 years old, and that is where he ended up growing up at. So Paul started to get into painting, and eventually it became his passion. In the mid-1800s, he started traveling all across the United States, visiting different native tribes, and started painting them. Paul also got along with the tribes and actually participated in one of the last great buffalo hunts. And we do have a photograph of him that we will provide on our website for anyone to go take a look at. And he looks exactly as I would imagine him to look. He is all decked out in native attire. Honestly, it looks like someone just put his head on that. Because <laughs> it just does. You look at him and then all of a sudden you just see that he's in this clothing. You're just like, the hell? Damn, Paul, you need a haircut. Damn, dude. <laughs> he does. That shit's everywhere. Yeah. All right. So Paul ended up passing away in 1871. However, in the art community, he is very, very well known for his paintings of these native tribes that he hung out with. Now, why do we mention this fella? I mean, that's cool. He hung out with Native Americans or Native tribes. He ended up doing a lot of paintings. But what does that have to do with Bigfoot? Well, during his travels to see these different native tribes, Paul kept a journal. And in this journal, he wrote down his conversations that he had with these different members of the native tribes. So what is interesting about his journal is that in 1847, Paul had written that a native tribe told him about something that they called the Skookums. These Skookums are a race of cannibalistic wild men that live on the peak of Mount St. Helens in southern Washington state. And something else that was interesting is that shortly after that, Paul ended up visiting members of the Lummi tribe, which is a native tribe who are located in the western part of Washington state. Now, during his visit, Paul ended up making an entry in his journal that talked about how the Lumi told stories of a creature that they called the Shamekwes. Now, members of this tribe stated that this creature lived in the woods and that if it heard anyone say its name, that it would come out of the woods, grab that person who said its name, and carry them off into the woods to kill them. So you better not go out in the woods and say Shamekwes. In Washington State, at least. Yeah. Because I was going to go outside and say it. Oh, okay. Now, Paul isn't the only one to have written accounts from Native tribes about Bigfoot. So let's talk about an individual named J.W. Burns. So in the 1920s, this J.W. guy spent many years working as a teacher at the Chihalas Indian Reserve, which is located around 60 miles from Vancouver, Canada. Now, while J.W. was working on the reservation as a teacher, he often would hear the children and the adults talk about what they called wild men or fathers of the forest. Eventually, J.W. decided, hey, you guys tell me a little bit more about these strange people or creatures. What are you guys talking about? I want to know more. So one of the native people of the tribe decided to tell J.W. about his encounter with these strange creatures. He told J.W. that while he was hunting in the forest one day, he spotted what he thought was a bear. However, this bear-looking creature stood up and revealed itself to be a giant man covered in thick hair. This giant creature then started chasing him through the woods and chased him all the way back home. This creature then started pushing against the walls of their homes with its hands doing significant damage to it before suddenly running back into the woods. Of course, after hearing this story, J.W. was kind of shocked, and he ended up going around and asking the tribe's people, hey, why don't you tell anyone else about this story? That's when the native people stated that there have been many sightings by other individuals in their tribe 
but they quit reporting them to the colonists because they would just laugh and say, oh, you guys don't know what you saw. It's just bears. So they just quit reporting it. So after learning that, J.W. decided to start asking the other tribes about their experiences with these creatures. What he learned is that these encounters took place for a period of two to three years and then just suddenly stopped. During these years, at least three different giant creatures were sighted, including at least one female giant. Now, J.W. ended up writing numerous articles about these stories that were told to him, and these articles uh, eventually were published in the Vancouver newspaper. Then, in 1929, one of these articles were printed in a major national magazine, in which it stated that these native tribes have had encounters with hairy giants that could still be living in a mountain range. Now, many names were used to describe these creatures in that article. However, J.W. called them Sasquatch. And that's how the name Sasquatch came to be. There you go. Never knew that. Yeah, a little knowledge nugget for you. So following that, the next sighting of this giant, hairy, half-human, half-ape-like creature would be in 1958. Now, it would be this sighting here that would give Bigfoot its name. So Aaron, start that story off for us. All right. So just like Dan said, this happened in 1958. There was an individual named Gerald Crew. So this dude named Gerald worked at a construction site in California. You know, one day he was just working, minding his own business, daydreaming, sticking it to the man. Maybe he was even listening to our podcast. That is 1958. He wasn't listening to a podcast. Anyway, so, so as he was working, he decided to glance down at the ground and suddenly saw giant footprints in the ground. And he was like, oh, my God. Now, these giant footprints were obviously too big to be a human, even though they sort of looked like a human's. So Gerald decided to call up a friend of his to make plaster molds of these footprints to use as evidence of their find. Of course, word of this started making its round and the story of this was picked up by a local newspaper. And then eventually the Associated Press picked it up and it went viral. And people started calling this creature Bigfoot for his large footprints that the creature left behind. So there you go. That's what Bigfoot is. And that is a little bit of history of how the name Bigfoot came to be. And I just want to add a little side note to the last story that we told about how Bigfoot got his name. Years later, the family of Gerald Crew, they ended up coming forward and stated that the footprints were a hoax. Now, even though his family stated this, many people think that the family was lying and that they were trying to cover up that a giant creature actually lived in the area. So there's kind of like some speculation to that. And there's also some theories being tossed around. But before we get into those theories, let's first transition into some strange facts and findings around Bigfoot. So to start off the strange facts and findings, we are first going to go over some strange audio clips that individuals throughout the years have captured that supposedly contain sounds of Bigfoot on them. So the first one that we're going to talk about is probably the most famous one, which is called the Sierra Sounds. So this Sierra Sounds all started way back in the early 1970s. So there was an individual named Al Berry. Now, Al was in the woods of the Sierra Nevada Mountains in eastern California. He was just chilling there with a friend of his named Ron Moorhead. So while they were in the woods, both of them started hearing some strange sounds and they decided to record them. And this is what they captured. There's two of them across the creek at the big rocks. It's a hard act to follow. All right, what do you think of that, Dan? That's kind of scary. The noises were scary, but the guy making the noise, why does he sound like Mickey Mouse? I don't know. Um, (laughs) 
it honestly sounded like some animal had been around humans a lot and was trying to mimic them talking is what it sounded like, at least to me. Yeah, it's like they were actually trying to have a conversation, Yeah, but just wasn't understandable. Yeah, so Dan, you dug into this a little bit more. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about these Sierra sounds? Yeah, so from a buddy on Discord, King Koopa, he sent a little bit more information about the Sierra sounds. He said to get a better understanding of the setting of where this audio was like recorded, to begin, the camp in which the audio was recorded is about eight miles deep in the Sierra Mountains of Eastern California, eight miles from like the nearest road or path. Secondly, the campsite is over 8,000 feet in elevation, and it snows regularly in the fall and winter months, so hiking would be pretty exhausting to go through. Lastly, when the hunters would use the camp, they would go off the main trail about halfway through their hike and take different routes to the campsite to not leave any noticeable trail. They would often look around to see if they noticed any trails on the way to make sure others had not been in the area. For the longest time, the men that used the campsite had been experiencing noise and strange phenomena in the woods. And then part of it was uh, about some of the testing that they did on it. So to provide a little bit about the testing that this audio underwent, a year-long evaluation at the University of Wyoming, the researchers determined that the origin to be primate and that one of the speakers possessed a vocal range and lung capacity much greater than the average humans. They also ruled out any possibility of alteration, meaning the tapes were not sped up, slowed down, or even re-recorded. They were organic pieces of evidence. Then, at Wentworth College, a professor and former U.S. Navy cryptolinguist, Scott Nelson, determined that the Sierra sounds featured an actual deliberate language. With over 35 years of experience in the field and fluency in four languages, his expertise led to the realization of more than grunts and snarls. So that's what Scott Nelson said, is that it's more than grunts and snarls. And if you look at that video that we'll provide a link of, of the Sierra Sounds, and you scroll down to the comments, there's a person that says, I'm a Chinese Mandarin speaker. And around 3 minutes and 26 seconds to 3 minutes and 28 seconds, the creature literally sounds like he is saying, Ni hao a ya, which means hello. And then he goes on to say, Chinese Mandarin is a tonal language, and the creature actually got the tone right. So 326 to 328. Yeah, and then he says, and shortly after that, it sounds like another creature from the distance answered, Hao a. I'm pretty sure I'm mispronouncing that, which means like hello. So we'll play that real short clip of this Bigfoot supposedly speaking Chinese in the Sierra sounds. We'll play that right now. It sounds like Mandarin to me, but hey, I'm not an expert, okay? Uh, I don't know if it says what he thinks it says, but I don't know. It's kind of <laughs> just the guy responding is like he's literally copying the same thing it said. Yeah. He's probably like, did he just introduce himself as me? <laughs> so that's the first weird sound that we're going to talk about, the Sierra sounds. Now let's get into our next one. Dan, do you want to tell us about it? Now the next audio clip that we're going to talk about is called The Screams at Clipper Mills. So on July 8th, 2012, a couple in California was traveling to Sly Creek Reservoir for a weekend of boating and camping. So it was around 9.50 p.m. that night and the couple had been driving for quite some time. They started to get excited because they were only around 10 miles from their destination. However, they began to notice that their truck started acting weird. Suddenly, the transmission on their truck gave out. Now, the only town nearby was Clipper Mills, which that town only had a small grocery store, and since it was late at night, it was closed. So the couple decided to check their phone to see if they could call anyone, and they didn't have any cell phone service. And at this point, they were like, well, Oh, <laughs> uh, man, you know that's what they were thinking. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and it's like the perfect setup for a uh, movie about a killer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so instead of hitching a ride on the side of the road, 
the couple decided to wait until the morning to deal with their transmission issues. Instead of sleeping in their truck, the couple decided that they would sleep in the back of their boat with their two dogs. So shortly after 10 p.m., as the couple laid down in the back of their boat, they began to hear an odd noise coming from the forest. They got their phones out and started recording. And this is what they heard. Stay here, Juno. Stay here. So that has to be absolutely terrifying. The fact that the dogs are not barking back as they hear that, it's like they sense, like, maybe I shouldn't say anything. Yeah. That's kind of scary. It is. Especially being broke down out there, no cell phone service. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to our last audio clip that we're going to talk about, which is called The Ohio Howl. So this audio was captured by an individual named Matt Moneymaker. And yes, that is his real last name, Moneymaker. I knew a couple people named Moneymaker. I actually looked into this guy to see if that was his real name, and it is. And get this, he is the host for the Animal Planet TV show, Finding Bigfoot. Oh. So there you go, little knowledge nugget for you. All right. So back in 1994, this Matt Moneymaker dude ended up recording some very weird sounds in Ohio. These sounds were analyzed and it was concluded that it was not a mechanical device or any vocalization of any known animal. Before we listen to this, it is worth noting that there is a dog that is furiously barking as this creature in the background continues to howl. So we're going to listen to that one right now. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like a siren. It does. Exactly like a siren that's going off. Honestly, it, either that or just like a wolf that's just howling to me. Hmm. Now, I wouldn't even say wolf. Just another dog. Because we've had a couple dogs and they've howled like our English Mastiff we had before. He would howl and it would just be continuous like that. And it's like the same tone over and over. I say that one is the least convincing with the Clipper Mills. As kind of like the middle one and the uh, Sierra sounds as being the most convincing. Yeah, the Sierra sound one's definitely the most convincing of something out there with some intellect on trying to conversate. Yeah, exactly. So that right there is the Ohio Howl. And just another little knowledge nugget for you. But a year after this sound was recorded, Matt Moneymaker started the BFRO which, of course, is the Bigfoot Field Researchers Organization. And it was a website where people could go to and report their eyewitness accounts. So, yeah, just a little knowledge nugget. Is that site still up? Yeah, I imagine so, because the organization is. It is. Bfro.net. All right, so now we are going to transition into some video sightings of Bigfoot that have been captured over the years. But before we get into that, we're going to take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back. So, Dan, tell us about this first video that we're going to go over. So, the first video that we're going to go over is the most famous Bigfoot video ever captured, the Patterson-Gimlin film. So, what happened is that on Friday, October 20th, 1967, about 25 miles northwest of Orleans, California, in the Six Rivers National Forest, Roger Patterson and Robert Gimlin were riding horses along the east bank of Bluff Creek, Sometime between 1.15 p.m. and 1.40 p.m., they came to an overturned tree with a large root system at a turn in the creek. When they came around the corner of the turn at the creek, they both spotted this giant, hairy, ape-like creature standing there on the opposite bank. Gimlin, of course, upon seeing this creature, was in a state of shock. Patterson, on the other hand, his horse ended up rearing up, kind of like sensing the figure, and he spent the next 20 seconds trying to control his horse and trying to, like, control it, settle it down so he could get off of it so he could get his camera from the saddlebag. Eventually, he was able to get off the horse, get his camera, and start video recording this creature. Now, after he ran out of film, they both ended up following the creature until they lost sight of it in a heavy undergrowth. Both of the men then immediately went back to their campsite, which was three miles away. They picked up plaster, went back to where they saw the creature originally, and made two plaster casts of the right and left footprints that this creature had left behind. Of course, this film would become the most famous video of Bigfoot. So we have a short video clip of what they captured, and if you want to see that, you can go to our website, then click on references, and then scroll down to the bottom and it will be there. And I'm pretty sure if anyone is into Bigfoot, uh, you all have seen this video clip. Pretty much is a video of Bigfoot. It looks like walking along a creek. He turns and looks at the camera, looks away and back in front of him and continues walking. It's a very short clip. And there it is, right there. He just keeps on walking. And the film gets a little shaky. And that's pretty much it. Mm. So that is the video. And a lot of people claim that it is fake. However, a lot of people claim that it is real. I mean, it's kind of like 50-50. Yeah, 50-50, I'd say, for sure. And over the years, there have been multiple people who have come forward and claimed, hey, that film is fake, and I know it's fake, because I was the person in a suit who ended up going out there and acting as if I was Bigfoot. But all of these people who claim this never, like, proved it. So, yeah. So they're pretty much saying that they went out there, pretended to be Bigfoot for Patterson and Gimlin, or they just went out there? They went out there to be Bigfoot for Patterson and Gimlin. Okay. Because I'm about to say, like, if they just went out there just for the hell of it, and then spontaneously get recorded, I'm like, that's some luck right there, out in the woods. Yeah, and all of these claims no one has of yet debunked the video so yeah just a little fyi hmm. so that's the first video and dan do you want to tell us about this next video i will but before we get into that we are going to take a quick break we'll be right back so don't go nowhere all right welcome back so this next video is a sighting of what looks to be a female mama bigfoot which as she's walking through the woods sees the person filming her and then it just starts rushing over to another rock and picks up what seems to be her offspring and then carries it away. Which we have that film right here and we will have that up as well for you to watch. There's hardly any views of this. I think there's only, what, 13,000? Yeah, I mean, I found it somewhere else. But then I had to find it on YouTube so we can use it. Okay. So the initial film starts off with somebody recording what looks like a side of a mountain with uh, rock and forest terrain, and you see something, holy shit. 
It, you see a Bigfoot walking in the distance, passing between, looks like some rocks and a tree. Then it stops behind a rock. Yep. Then the camera gets a little shaky, Then, but it's still focused on the rock. And then you see this Bigfoot comes out from behind the rock again, but this time holding a little baby one. Is the Bigfoot looking towards the camera as it's holding them? I can't tell. It looks like it sees the person filming, and I guess it was like scared. And it went and got its little baby and took off. Mm, holy smokes. It's booking it with that baby. Is this second half of the video a new film or is it just zoomed in? It's probably just zoomed in and slowed down probably. Okay. But yeah. Now, a lot of people say it's fake, of course. So it's like another 50-50 on this one. I think that's like most videos. But what makes it so crazy is as you watch that, if it is fake, that means they have a child in a little baby Bigfoot <laughs> costume. Because you can see that little child or whatever pushing away <laughs> it is oh my gosh that poor little baby's in a bigfoot costume oh my god but like you know it's real though if it, it looks real zoomed in damn that is a crazy video I've, I've never seen that one before i just can't believe like if it is fake they actually put a kid in a costume to try to pull this off as well but like you can see like the kid pushing away from like the mama bigfoot so it's not like just a doll or anything. And you can see it moving. Yeah, it's actually a real creature that whatever that thing is holding. Mm. All right. So, Dan, you put down this next one, and I would prefer you read it because I've never heard of this one either. What's this next video you have? All right. So I just found this one like two days ago. And honestly, I'm still confused by it for the fact that if it's fake, it is very well made. But in Idaho, someone captured footage of a Bigfoot, and this, this Bigfoot is built like a damn brick house. He's like one of the guys you see at the gym just lifting weights, man. So he looks like Hulk? He's pretty jacked? He is pretty jacked. I'll be the judge of that. Let me take a look at this. All right. Damn, it's a 10-minute video. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing as like the other one where they like zoomed in, slowed it down and stuff at like halfway through. Okay, so this starts at around the 30-second mark? Yeah. Holy smokes, you ain't joking. So it shows a video of some Bigfoot-like creature taking a few steps through the forest, and that Bigfoot is jacked. And He is thick. And what's crazy about it is that if that's a costume, that is well-fitted for him, for the fact it's, like, skin-tight. And, like, you could see, like, the motion of it. There's, like, no sagginess or anything like that. That costume fits that person or whatever pretty well if it's fake. That's kind of scary if something that jacked comes running at you. It's bigger than a silverback, and I considered those things completely jacked. Oh, yeah. This thing is huge, very muscular. See, it's like, it's hard for me to say if that's fake or not, because that is very well-made costume if it's fake. Yeah, it is. All right, so, of course, if you want to see all those videos, you can just go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com. You can click in the upper right-hand corner and uh, do the little drop-down menu, click on References. That will take you to a page that you scroll all the way to the bottom, and you'll see our episode that says Bigfoot, and it'll have all the references there for you. Boom. All right, so those were some videos. Now we're going to get into some strange reports involving Bigfoot and the United States government that not many people know about. So the first one that we're going to talk about happened in 1999. So the Bigfoot Field Research Organization, BFRO. Oh, Matt Moneymaker. Yep, Matt Moneymaker. His organization received an anonymous letter from a government employee. This letter stated the following. On August 7, 1999, in Battle Mountain, Nevada, I observed an animal wounded by fire moving on all fours, not like a bear, more like an ape. Firefighters captured the animal contacted the local vet and medical doctor. The U.S. Department of Fish and Wildlife, Department of the Interior, and Bureau of Land Management quickly arrived at the scene. Shortly after that, the animal was tranquilized and moved to an unknown location. Those at the scene told not to talk about what they saw. The letter goes on to say, Animal approximately 7.5 feet long, tall, human-like arms and legs. Face not like man or ape, but mixed between. Genitalia, male. Uncircumcised, noise, and human-like. 
guess is talking about his genitalia. Got real close looking at this thing. Yeah, he did. He said, let me take a look at that dick. <laughs> well, there's your answer, people. Not like a dog, but like a human. Yeah. Hair covering most of the body except the chest. Hands with some hair. Palms bare with five digits with a thumb and a fifth digit. So it has thumbs, just like a human hand, I'm guessing. Speech. Attempted to communicate with caregivers once it realized they were attempting to care for it. Multiple burns on the hands, feet, legs, and body. Some second and third degree burns. Using the rule of nines, approximately 45% of the body contained burns. Doctor and vet working together providing care and moved it to an unknown location locally. Witnesses numbered in the area of 30 to 25. Word is out in the government agencies and among the firefighters since a MD was called out. Many thought a firefighter was injured. The letter then ends with the anonymous person saying, Please note that I am a government employee of one of the listed agencies fighting brush fire in the wilderness area of Nevada and under orders not to disclose information. So that is what the letter said. And it's written out more like, the person stated what happened, and then it's almost like they just kind of attached like a, an on-the-scene report or something that a police officer would write. Yeah. So we started digging into this, and we wanted to see if there was actually a fire in Nevada on that day. And we did find a news article from the New York Times that was dated August 7th, 1999, and it said the following. Rain and cooler weather helped turn the corner on one big fire in western Nevada today as 3,000 firefighters battled more than 100 brush fires that have burned an area nearly the size of Rhode Island. At 611,000 acres and growing, the fires threatened ranches and homes near the Oregon border, and smoke intermittently forced closing of Interstate 80 near Lovelock and Battle Mountain. Most of the fires were sparked by more than 8,000 lightning strikes as thunderstorms rolled across the state. One of the big fires that was located northeast of Reno was contained today, with efforts aided by rain, low winds, and temperatures that dipped into the 70s. That fire was sparked by lightning on Tuesday. So there you go. That's what the news article stated on August 7, 1999. So at that time, there was a giant fire on Battle Mountain. And there was a closing of Interstate 30 temporarily on that day, which kind of makes you want to theorize, was the closing truly because of smoke? Or maybe did they close it to transport this creature? Ooh. Just tossing that out there, you know? So things line up very weird, you know? So it tried to communicate with, this, with its caregivers. Huh. Yeah, it's got an uncircumcised penis, too. The more you know. Something to talk about over family dinners. You know, you're sitting there with your old granny, and she's like, Hey, I was school today. You're like, it's pretty good, granny. Did you learn anything? No, I didn't learn shit, but I was listening to a podcast. You know what I found out? Bigfoot's got an uncircumcised dick. What'd you think of that, granny? Oh, you nasty. And he speaks Mandarin. Ni hao, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) All right, anyways. So there you go. That's what the letter said. That's some proof, or not really proof, but some evidence that kind of points to maybe this did happen. What year? This happened in 99? Yeah, so if you or a loved one lived in Battle Mountain in 1999 and you witnessed this creature, send us an email to either Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at theoriesofthethirdkind.com, or you can send it to Dan, D-A-N, at theoriesofthethirdkind.com. We'd love to hear about it. That's right. I'd love to hear about it. All right. So this next strange fact and finding I've never heard of before in my life, and Dan is going to tell us all about it. That's right. So this next strange fact and finding is about a hair sample that was sent to the FBI for testing. In 1976, the director of the Bigfoot Information Center and Exhibition in Oregon, Mr. Peter Byrne, sent a hair sample containing 15 hairs attached to a tiny piece of skin to the FBI. He wrote to them that Through their testing, they could not identify what kind of animal it came from and was hoping that the FBI could possibly analyze it to help out. And of course, Peter also was being curious as to what they know if they had analyzed anything involving Bigfoot at all in their past. 
The assistant director of the FBI's Scientific and Technical Service Division, Jay Cochran Jr., wrote back to Peter stating that he did not find any evidence of the FBI analyzing any suspected Bigfoot hair before now, and that they usually only examine physical evidence related to criminal investigations. But sometimes they made exceptions in the interest of research and scientific inquiry. For the hair sample that Peter sent to the FBI, they were able to identify the hair sample as belonging to the Deer family. They even sent him an official letter with the hair sample back, and we have a picture of the official document, but there's like way more. They had many more letters going back and forth to each other, which I have the link for that as well, so you can go look at it. But this, is, this document here pretty much shows that, oh, this is part of the Deer family. It's nothing you know, important, really. With that being said, the FBI was just like, oh, just so you know, this wasn't proof or anything that we endorsed the existence of Bigfoot. All it meant is that the FBI did a favor to a Bigfoot researcher, and there's nothing wrong with that, but it shouldn't be mistaken for de facto government endorsement of the reality of Bigfoot, which that was an actual statement by the FBI. Oh, so they didn't want to be caught up in the uh, Bigfoot talk. Yes. Hmm. Then why did they do it in the first place? Why did they do the testing in the first place? I guess they were curious, which it's like it's weird, though, the fact that Peter Burns, they already did testing on it, but they couldn't figure out what animal this was. But of course, the FBI is just like, oh, nope, it's part of the deer family. It's not Bigfoot. Hmm. But if you actually go through the FBI files, I want to say that there is one letter. I forgot who wrote it. It might have been Jay Cochran sending it to Peter Byrne. But he said that he remembered being asked about Bigfoot before or like the division had been asked about it before. But what he was saying is that when he went back to look at records, there were no records of it. Ooh, they MK ultra those records. They got rid of them. Yeah, so those records were gone. But he remembered that they uh, were questioned about Bigfoot way before. Okay, the more you know. So I guess that is pretty much the end of our strange facts and findings. And now we're going to transition into the fun part of the episode, the theories as to what Bigfoot could be. So the first theory that we have is that Bigfoot is real and that it is actually a caveman. Hmm. So in 2011, uh, the History Channel had a documentary, and they ended up stating this theory that Sasquatch, a.k.a. Bigfoot, might not be a giant ape after all, but it could maybe be a prehistoric human that had somehow survived and has gone undiscovered. I find that pretty hard to believe. Yeah, I don't know about that one. Yeah. Um, Of course, there's another theory that Bigfoot is actually an alien. So to kind of back this theory up, Dan, do you want to tell us about what happened in 1973? Of course. So in 1973, Pennsylvanian UFO researcher Stan Gordon noticed an increase in sightings of Sasquatches entering and exiting the extraterrestrial vessels. Fascinated by the possibility that the mysterious primates may actually hail from another planet, Gordon set up a UFO Bigfoot hotline. Hmm. So it's pretty much a hotline that if you witness a UFO and it contains Bigfoot, you can give it a call. Toll-free UFO line and used to keep track of Bigfoot. Yeah. You know what? I tend to lean more towards this theory than the caveman theory. You know, my grandfather had a very interesting theory about Bigfoot that connected with aliens. God rest his soul. Okay, so one day me and my grandfather were sitting there on the couch. He was in his recliner, I was in my couch, and we were at camp. And we were just chit-chatting like we normally do. And we got on the topic of Bigfoot. And he had a very interesting theory. He stated that he thinks that maybe aliens had created Bigfoot and dropped him off. So this is the scenario he gave me. He said, imagine aliens in a spaceship traveling hundreds of thousands of light years across the universe. And they just happened to stumble across the human race, right? And it's back when we were in some prehistoric human stage to where we looked like Bigfoot. They kind of studied us a little bit. They abduct a couple of them, fly hundreds of light years back home. And they say, oh, you know, let's, uh, let's make a clone of some of these creatures. 
we can take them back to that planet, aka Earth, and then use them to kind of communicate with the other creatures that are there. So they create the clones to use to, you know, communicate with the other ones, fly all the way back to Earth, go to drop off the clones, aka Sasquatch. They drop them off and they go, well, damn, look at them. They had evolution happen to them. Look at them now. They, they aren't living in caves and shit. They're living in uh, big old apartment buildings and other little, you know, buildings and stuff. Humans have already evolved to a point to where the aliens were like, screw it. Let's just drop off these Bigfoots that we were working on for hundreds of years. Let's jet out and go elsewhere in the universe. And uh, here these Bigfoots are wandering around uh, Earth that were created by aliens as a way to communicate with us. And by the time they got here, we were already evolved to a point to where we're like, hey, what the hell is this mythical creature? You know, that's what his theory was, which I kind of thought was interesting. That is actually pretty interesting. Yeah. So we have another theory written down here from, um, who's it from? King Koopa? King Koopa. The one that emailed about the Sierra Sounds. Okay. Well, tell us about his theory on uh, Bigfoot. All right. So his theory goes, I truly believe that they exist, personally. I believe that they are a real organic humanoid species that have been adept at being undetected for hundreds of years. Specifically, I believe that they are a branch off from the Gigantopithecus that migrated from Asia to North America from the land bridge that once connected Russia with Alaska. Once they made their way into Alaska, they began migrating not only across Canada, but also into Washington State and Northern California. Over time, I believe that they eventually made their way across the continental United States, quite possibly all the way into the Carolinas and even upstate New York. Over that time, it wouldn't surprise me if Bigfoot created its own language, possibly being influenced from listening to the Chinese and Irish that built the railroads across the country and even some Native American language. Bigfoot are very stealthy and have no interest in being detected or found. I think the elder Bigfoot know the intentions of man and are rarely, if ever, detected. The ones we see on video or in pictures are young, naive Bigfoots, in my opinion, not yet understand the consequences of their actions. However, what was captured in the Sierra Sounds leaves no doubt in my mind that the language of Bigfoot, both elder and young, was captured in the mountains of Eastern California and remains some of, if not the best evidence to date that the phenomenon that is Bigfoot is mostly definitely based in fact. Okay. That explains why some of them were speaking Mandarin. That would explain that. And then considering, like, it just, only parts of it sounded that way, then it sounded like other things. So, of course, it's like, I guess, creating their own language. Yep. Okay. That's a good theory, King Koopa. I'm proud of you. I like that one. So, have you heard of the theory that CERN created Bigfoot? Well, not really created Bigfoot, but released Bigfoot. I mean, it's sort of like the Montauk one. Yeah, pretty much that CERN, which is the Large Hadron Collider, the LHC, that uh, they used that to open up some space-time continuum into some other dimension, and what crossed over was uh, Bigfoot, or maybe multiple different species of animals and creatures from some other dimension, and that Bigfoot was just one of them. I can see that because of way back with my Montauk chair and Bigfoot theory. Yeah, let's hear that. Tell us about that. God, it's been so long. So, of course, if you don't know what the Montauk Project is, the Montauk Project is a project conducted at Camp Hero or Montauk Air Force Station in Montauk, New York, for the purpose of developing psychological warfare techniques and exotic research, including time travel. Which, if you watch Stranger Things, that's pretty much what it's based off of is the Montauk Project. And I think them messing with time traveling and all that stuff, they actually opened up a dimensional portal to where they summoned creatures from, or creatures were able to come through. Yeah, wasn't there rumors of the government employees that were involved with this project, Montauk, taking homeless people and using them as a part of the time travel experiments? Homeless people and children. Okay, all right. So yes, they were using homeless people and children for this project and i believe one of the creatures that they let through or brought through was bigfoot and that they are not here all the time so what it is is every time they mess with the montauk chair bigfoots are summoned through and then when like when the project's done or whatever they're sent back to the other dimension 
That's why when you like you see them in the woods or all these videos and stuff are capturing them. And then when you go out looking for them, you can't find them. We must summon our Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. And I remember when we talked about it way back, we talked about summoning a big old Bigfoot army. That'd be hilarious. It would You're just be. sitting there and over the mountain range, you see these giant Bigfoots just running, trampling like a herd of buffalo coming right at you. If they looked like that massive one from Idaho, I'd be freaked out. So would I. I mean, that's kind of what I still believe is like they're not here all the time. That's how they're able to disappear. So that's your personal belief is that they are real, but they're not always here. Yeah, I believe they're still doing the Montauk Project. Okay. In secret. All right. Well, my personal belief is a little different, and I guess we're going to go into personal thoughts and theories. Let's do it. My belief is that governments all across the United States, of course we know over the years they've been doing unethical human experimentations. These are hardly ever reported to the public. Now, I think that some governments have dabbled in crossbreeding humans with animals and that they might have successfully been able to crossbreed a human and a ape or a silverback gorilla. And as a result of this, you get this Bigfoot-like creature, and somehow these creatures escape, and there's not many of them, and that's why we don't see many of them, and there's not many uh, encounters. And I think the same thing goes with Loch Ness. I think that uh, the governments were experimenting with different fish DNA, creating these mythical-like creatures in laboratories and then releasing them to study them and see how they interact with other species in the environment. And that's what they did with Loch Ness, and that's what they're doing with Bigfoot. They release them to study them and track them, and they know where they're at constantly. So that's my personal belief. Yeah, I can see that, because, I mean, you got to think, with all the technology that we have nowadays, if they're not here, then we should at least have spotted one. Yeah. So only thing you can think about is, like, the government or someone in, is hiding them or keeping them protected. Now, a close theory that I have that comes in number two for me would be that there is some undiscovered species that lives underground in these national parks. And they are these ape-like creatures that are being called Bigfoot. And they pass away underground, which is why we don't find skeletal remains and you know, why we don't see them that often. And this could also be connected with the missing 411, how a lot of individuals all around the United States go missing in national parks, which we did an episode over, which is a very weird and strange episode. So that's my close number two theory. Only thing I have against that one is that if they lived underground, their eyes would be very sensitive to sunlight, wouldn't it? I, I don't know. Because I, I can only think of like the movie, uh, like the 13th Warrior. You seen that with Antonio Banderas in it? Never seen it. I've seen 13 Ghosts. Oh, 13th Warrior. You got to watch that. That is such a good movie. It's like a Viking movie. But uh, the, I guess like the cannibal tribe or whatever they are, they live underground like in the mountain and they usually only attack at like night and stuff. But like at the very end, they do attack in the daylight. But for like the weird part of it is like they mostly attack at night because, you know, they live in the mountains. Their eyesight, I guess, is just sensitive to sunlight. Okay, so you're saying Bigfoots possibly don't live in caves because um, they would be super sensitive to light, which, hey, that could maybe explain why they don't go out that often. Yeah, that could be it. Have you ever seen the movie The Descent? Yes. <laughs> Talk about scary. That movie is absolutely frightening. If you're a listener and you've never seen the movie The Descent, it's about these girls that end up going on a um, trip to where they go, what is that even called? Cave crawling? Yeah, they go cave crawling underground. They go through a whole bunch of different caves underground, and um, as they're deep, deep underground, they end up encountering some weird creature, and they end up discovering that it's not just one, but there's an entire family of these hairless, weird-looking creatures underground. It's absolutely terrifying. It is a good movie. There's a video game that's just like it called The Forest, which is a great video game. Me and, me and Dan played that video game uh, quite a bit. 
and yeah, it was scary. We turned out all of our lights, and we played it together, and we screamed. So yeah, it was a good time. Isn't there a part two now? There is a part two coming out. Let me see. The Forest 2 release date, October of 2022. So we'll be living in Austin together. Oh, it's going to be fun. Oh, it is. Anyways, uh, so do you have any more thoughts or theories or anything you want to add to this Bigfoot episode before we transition? All right. So here's the thoughts. Okay. Give it to me. So there's the argument if like we evolved from apes and stuff like that, which I don't think we did. I think it's already proven that we weren't. We just share a common ancestor way back in prehistoric time. You know, that's why we have like opposable thumbs and stuff. Now, what if Bigfoot, they're what we could have like evolved into. I mean, not saying we evolved from apes, but it's like we went one way more of like not as hairy, more intelligent like where the Bigfoot went the more, I guess, physical route with things. I don't know if that makes sense. So we got the smarts. And the sort of good looks, and the Bigfoot just got the strength. Yeah. Okay. If that makes sense. I don't know. Sort of. What happened to them all, though? Did they all get eaten? They just didn't adapt as well. A lot of them didn't. You got to think, some species die out because they can't adapt or they can't, you know, figure a way to, I mean, can't figure a way to adapt to certain temperatures and stuff like that. Okay. So what if a lot of them actually died of diseases or something like that? They weren't able to, you know, cure. All right. So maybe they caught like some disease and stuff like that. It wiped out most of them, and which is why we don't see many of them. And the ones that we do see stay away from us because if they get close, they might catch something that they can't protect themselves from. Okay. I like that. Dan's theory on Bigfoots. Trying to think differently. I love it. Hey, and if you're a listener and you have a very interesting and different theory about what Bigfoot is or could possibly be, Send us an email. We'd love to hear about it. Definitely. I love hearing about Bigfoot. Yep. So do you have anything else you want to add to this Bigfoot episode before we go to our on the scene? Do you think Bigfoot's like swing through the forest at all? Jesus Christ. All right. (laughs) That is the end of our Bigfoot episode. So I guess now we're going to transition to our on the scene. Now, if you don't know what our on the scene is, it is where an individual from anywhere in the world, goes out and interviews anyone. It could be a family member, it could be a random person on the street, it, e- it could even be yourself. And they just tell us about their thoughts and theories about current conspiracies and happenings around the world. And uh, they submit us that audio clip, and then we feature it at the end of our show each week. Anyone can do this. Yes, you, even the person listening to this right now, could do it. All you need to do is just get your phone and record the audio. Make sure it's less than two minutes long. And then email that audio to us at Aaron at theoriesofthethirdkind.com or you can send it to Dan at theoriesofthethirdkind.com. And the audio doesn't have to be perfect. Just make sure that there's no sounds like music or anything like that in the background or any trains or anything. And uh, we should be golden. So with that being said, I guess let's get into this week's On the Scene. All right, so this week's On the Scene was sent to us from Deb Crush, and uh, it features her daughter, Rowdy Piper, and Autumn's daughter, Dahlia, the Destroyer. So we will play that right now. We are on the scene today with two very special girls. Girls, can you tell me your names and your age? I'm Piper K, and I'm six. Dahlia B, and I'm six. All right, girls, I got some questions to ask you. How do you guys feel about aliens, real or not real? Real, real. Why? Because I saw on a YouTube video when this girl zoomed in its house, and then they saw a UFO, and then aliens were in it. Nice. Bigfoot. How do you feel about Bigfoot? Real. Real. Um... Because I saw it in a video of people finding Bigfoot, and he ran across the highway. I love it. I love it. Do you guys all think the food shortage is a real thing, yes or no? Yes. Even real? I'm asking you. Yes. I don't know. Yes. How do you feel about the new world order? Taking over the world, yes or no? No. No. 
Oh, questionable. Yes, yes. Oh, yes. Okay, okay. Now, now to finish us off, 9-11, inside job or not? Inside job. Agreed. All right. Love you. Proud of you. I love it. And I just want to say this. You're doing a good job as a parent, and I'm proud of you. You know, I, and I love you. What? It's like opening their minds. Absolutely. Opening up their minds to certain thoughts in the world other than what's fed to us through mainstream media. Oh, gosh. And I absolutely love it. Getting them to form their own opinions, getting them to do their own research. That's what life is about. You give them the facts and you let them research it on their own and form their own opinion. I love it. You're doing a great job as a parent. And I'm proud of you, Deb. And keep on being a roller derby person. I think that's what it is. It says so in her email or whatever. And her birthday was this past Sunday. Ooh, her 40th birthday. And you know what she said? She wants to be serenaded from you, Dan. So take it away, Dan. Happy birthday to Deb. Happy birthday. Happy birthday to Deb. Happy birthday, happy birthday. There you go. Happy birthday. I hope it was a good one. I hope you got everything you ever wanted. And thank you for your on the scene this week. Yes, I loved it. Hey, and shout out to Dahlia and uh, Rowdy Piper. Amazing little kiddos. Nice. All right. So that is our on the scene this week. If you haven't submitted one, go ahead and do it. You think, oh, it's going to be like weeks and weeks before I get to listen to mine. Hey, submit it now. Get it in line so it's ready to go. Okay, next thing you know, boom, yours will be played. All right, so let's transition into shout-outs this week. Oh, my God, are you kidding me? What? I forgot my phone. I don't even know where my phone is at. Damn it. You just want me to do my shout-outs then? (laughs) Yeah, I cannot find my phone. (laughs) Good, that means uh, you can sing the next happy birthday. All right, I'll do that. I'm sorry for everybody on Instagram. I have no idea where my phone is at. I can't find it. It is not anywhere in my recording area. I have no idea what happened to it. It vanished. So, Dan, who do you have for shout-outs this week from Facebook? All right. Let's see here. For Facebook, Ash Spector, John Ramsey, Angelo Stefano, Randy Holiday, Jake Sale, Sarah Monroe, Jeremiah Bruner, Eddie Morgan, Monica Hu, Michael Oliver, Marcus Roach, Annie Graham, who had a birthday on the 5th of this month, which if you want to go ahead and sing that one, Aaron, you can real quick. Annie, Annie, look at this photo from your birthday photograph. Happy birthday to you. Noise. Noise. All right. Next one is Valerie Silva, Christopher Kennard, Marcus Agular, Agular. I probably said that wrong. I'm sorry. Luis Rodriguez. Joe Browning, Zach Close, Heather Busboom, probably said that wrong, Tigun Trammell, Louis Camacho, yes, I am reading your messages that you send. Sorry, I'm slow at replying. Bethany Dawn, Adrian Godlines, Muttley Joe, Jason Gibbs, him and his kid enjoyed our Mysteries uh, series episode. Glad to hear it. Then Conscious Jin, then. This one, Aaron, I'm excited to hear you sing. Chris Wilson's birthday is June 16th. Chris Wilson made Path of Exile. Is that him? I don't know if that's him or not. Okay, anyways, what's going on with him? Does he have a birthday? His birthday's on the 16th, which is in two days, which would be the day that we this episode goes out, right? 16th? Yep. He requested a birthday shout-out, Metallica-style. Yeah, yeah, give me fuel, give me fire, give me Chris Wilson's birthday, shout out, yeah. (laughs) Happy birthday, Chris. Hope it's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, happy birthday, Chris. All right, next shout out is from, see, or is for Kristen and Isaac. Uh, That's from the email. Then Michael Turner, whose birthday was on June 7th. So you get to sing another happy birthday, Aaron. Last one. Michael, happy birthday to you. Ooh. Happy birthday. And that is it for my shout-outs this week. Nice. So we got Aaron to sing happy birthday three times. 
I like that. You know what? I'm getting you back next week when I find my phone wherever it's at. I have no idea where it's at. <laughs> I got a cough. <laughs> no, you ain't playing that role. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I apologize for not doing Instagram shout outs this week or my birthday shout outs this week. It's my fault. I take responsibility and I will do them next week. I will do my Instagram stuff next week as well because I know I have a couple on there I haven't looked at yet. All right. Well, I guess that's the end of our Bigfoot episode today. Do you have anything else you want to add before we roll it out? Uh, If you've seen any good like Bigfoot videos, like actually good ones, not this crazy friggin' out of sync or just everywhere type video, an actual good one that I haven't seen yet, just send them my way because I love seeing this stuff. Dan is a Bigfoot fanatic. He has about 12 Bigfoot furry suits where he goes to furry cons with. That's what he dresses up as. So, You know, just to say, I looked for Halloween, a really good Bigfoot costume. They're expensive. And I was not going to pay two, $300 for one. <laughs> Shit, I was looking at some that were like a grand on Etsy. See, this is how you know that Aaron's an actual furry. He knew where to go no, to for. No, 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 and he, no, no. And he's like, oh, $300 ain't much. I'll pay a thousand. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us today. And again, thank you for your support. You are amazing. Every single one of you. So with that being said, Dan, you want to roll us out? Sure will. It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you are not alone. <laughs>